Hey, welcome back to Sitting in Jams. This is episode seven that you're listening to. You are here with me, Jack Handyside, Reese Gilchrist, and Callum Stevenson. Welcome you back to episode seven now. Wow, we're really pumping these out as well. So it's uh, it's fun to do. We've got a really fun question as well here today for you. So we're really looking forward to digging right into it. But before we do, it is my obligation. I've got to continue to do it. Um, and you've got to continue to listen to it, unfortunately. <laughs> So if you would like to support the podcast and support what we're doing, the best way that you can do that is by either kind of visiting our merch store and seeing that, you know, got lots of these lovely, lovely, comfortable jumpers as well, because it's getting cold and you're going to need a, jump, a jumper. Perhaps it's getting close to uh, Christmas time as well. And you're looking for someone for a, a loved one, getting a sitting in jumper uh, or a sitting in mug as well. Um, Callum, I don't know if you've still got the sitting in mug there. Yeah, as we do every week. Look at that. Guitar fuel. Oh, we've got two. We've got options in black and white. Perfect. Look at that. A his and hers. Cool. So think about that because it's fast approaching. Anyway, so to get into today's question, we're taking a, a question from Francis Tulip. And the question is quite simple. The question says, how do you get into the right zone when improvising live? That's a really great question because we are all performing musicians. We're also all teachers as well. We all have some really great ideas about how to conquer the inner demons of self, as it were, when you're getting on stage. So hopefully we'll have a really great discussion today. But does anybody, anybody want to kick it off? Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a great question because it's something that I, I'm sure we have all suffered with at some point where you have the situation of you practice alone in your bedroom or in the practice room or whatever it is. And then when you get on stage, you just don't sound anywhere near as good. And I think there are a couple of reasons why this might be. So in your question, you're talking about improvising, but you're also talking about doing it live. And the added stress of performing live is like definitely going to get in the way of you being able to connect and improvise if you've not done it a lot as well. And one thing that I realized when I was just getting started is that the more I'd done the thing that didn't feel as good, i.e. performing live, honestly, the easier it got. I remember going to my guitar teacher in university and saying to him, I was like, man, I sound great in a bedroom. But when I'm on when I'm on stage, it's not happening. Like, why is that? Or like when I'm in this lesson with you, it's like, it just doesn't flow. What's what's up? And he kind of just said, he was like, it's just a different environment. You know, when you're performing live, it's not your bedroom. The way that you sit in your bedroom is different from the way you stand when you're on stage. The sound hits you differently if you're playing with a, a small band, a big band, the size of the room, all of these factors make a huge difference to how you feel when you're performing live. And I feel like the crux of this question isn't necessarily about performing live, but I did want to preface my points by um, sharing how I felt about that, because I think it's important to bear in mind when you're doing something as demanding as improvising. Um, and... Yeah, I guess the question really is about improvising live. So I want to focus a little bit more on improvising. And the question is specifically asking about getting into that zone. And I'm sure we all have different terms for what this zone might be. And for me, uh, zone could be switched or could be synonymous for like a frame of mind as well. It's a mindset. And for me, this question is really about how to train the mindset of being an improviser so that when you're in that context of playing live, you actually are able to, well, get into that zone. And yeah, a couple of things I want to sort of share just before passing it over is when you're improvising, you're really, 
it's completely different from performing music live. And the kind of mindset that you need to be in is very different, I think, than if you're reading music or if you're playing a song that you already know that's pre-composed, pre-meditated, so to speak. And the state of mind that I kind of strive for when I'm improvising or doing anything creative is what we call a flow state. And I'm going to have to read some of some names here because they're really hard to pronounce. And so someone I want to reference here is Mihai Csikszent Mihai. Mihai Csikszent Mihai. That's how you say his name. I checked before we recorded this. And he is a psychologist who's pioneered the idea of flow state. And the idea in flow state is that, well, actually, let me kind of give you a scene here. So you must have at some point in your life had the day that went by and a, a, just like that. It just kind of just flew by because you were so completely immersed in what you were doing that nothing else seemed to matter. And I think that when, well, when I'm improvising, I kind of I look for that zone and that state of flow, like sort of trying to aim for that. But it's not the kind of thing that you can just turn on and off. It's something you need to practice. And there are a couple of things you need to bear in mind when you're kind of aiming for this zone. And if you if you check out this person's uh, writing, he's got a book called, uh, I think it's called How to Achieve Flow or something like that, amongst other um, books that he's done. He talks about how the content you're, let's say, improvising with, it needs to be kind of right in between the lines of not too boring, but also not too hard. So say as a musician, you need to be comfortable, you know, and if you're improvising over something you're not comfortable in, you're probably going to be less likely to get into that state of flow. And yeah, that could be something that you just think about when you're planning your set. It's like, how comfortable am I with the material that I'm going to try improvising in? You know, is this practice material or am I actually ready to really put my put my all into it and improvise it? Um, but yeah, I don't want to get too lost in that side of things just yet. I have some other things I'd like to talk about. But before we get into that, I'm going to pass it over to Jack. Well, it's funny. I'm going to quickly like hot potato this. As soon as I heard flow state, I wanted to hear from Callum because Callum, I know this is something that you've talked about quite a lot extensively, the idea of flow state and trying to attain a flow state uh, when you're working as well. And I actually, I, I really want to hear what you have to say about that. Um, I definitely, I think I've heard quite a lot on this topic as well. Um, because it's, again, it's just something I'm interested in. But I think um, it does come back to what you were saying, Reese, about being in a comfortable place first. Like, it, it can only really be achieved achieved from that comfortable place. Um, you know, if I was to go and play a jazz gig and have to improvise on that, I'm not going to be comfortable. Like, I'm just not. I'm way more rocky and bluesy and things like that. Um, so it would be really difficult for me to achieve that. Um, I think one of the things that kind of comes to mind is... Um, I think I might have briefly mentioned something about this in a previous podcast, but it was uh, I've got lots lots of audiobooks on the brain because I'm just fascinated by the brain. Um, and there was a specific little story about um, the this little kind of challenge that people do where they, where they try and stack cups like as as fast as they uh, possibly can, and like this the world record for it is just like ridiculous. But the the exercise was to measure the kind of activity in the brain for someone who's brand new to it and someone who has been doing it for years and years and years. Um, and you would kind of think that the person who has done that a lot for several years would kind of be using like more of their brain, like brain power, if that's what you want to call it. Um, but it ended up being the complete opposite. It's like the person who hadn't done that at all 
required way more, you know, input um, or CPU as well, so to speak, to kind of um, get the job done. Um, and I think that's one of the things that can lead to flow states. If you kind of take the results of that, it requires less effort for people who can achieve flow state because they've just ranked, they've just, they've really ranked up the hours for it. They've really got the amount of hours into that specific thing. So it's not just your instrument, it's really talking about the genre of music that you're into and what do you feel comfortable doing because I think it really comes down to the point where you get into a flow state, you're not thinking. Like physically, you're not, you're not really thinking as much because you don't need to. If you've done something that much and you're in this kind of comfortable place, but you can take it to such a high degree or high level, um, then I think that's where this flow state kind of comes from. Um, that's that's probably what I would what I would say kind of summed up. It was just I, I had that thought about the that little story about um, uh, the little experiment and the results of that experiment. Um, but yeah, Jack, what what's what's your thoughts on that one? So if I take it in a bit of a different tack, when I think about improvising as well, when I think about improvising um, live, if I think about my experience improvising live and the things that I have to work on, yeah, there are technical things that I have to work on. There's, you know, being able to kind of feel settled across the neck, whatever, perhaps it's even standing and playing as well, which is something that's so strange. I heard uh, there's a really great uh, guitarist that I can't remember, I can't remember her name right at this minute. But she talked about, she's online somewhere. I think she's done some, some courses for Truefire. And she talked about having practiced standing up, just like making a habit of practicing standing up, which is something that I'm terrible at. So whenever I go to play gigs or functions or whatever it is, I have a habit of always wanting to sit down because I practice sitting down and it feels really abnormal for me. I don't feel like I can play the instrument to its fullest uh, quality or to my full ability, really, when I'm standing up. It's, it's really strange. And I've noticed that even in kind of a couple function gigs that I've done over the past couple months, it's like that feeling of just not feeling very settled with it. And I know it's something that I have to work at. But again, it's, it's, it's something that you actually learn having been on the gig because the music's not the thing to really work on in that time period. Or the improvising is not really a thing. The tone at the time is not really an issue. But it is small things that catch you out and you go, oh man, I need to kind of settle that. But in terms of getting into the right zone, I think we're talking about the mentality of what we're trying to train to feel settled, to feel free and to feel that we're not being burdened with things. And I try to instill this both in my students and in myself as well, more so in myself recently, which is trying to practice in a way where I'm not thinking about what's going on. I'm not thinking about consequence and I'm not thinking about uh, ingredients for something to be great. So I'm not thinking about, okay, the perfect way to take a solo. I'm not thinking about the perfect way to create an introduction. I'm not thinking about any of that stuff. I'm trying to practice in a clear-headed way. So one way in which I might do that, because obviously kind of being in the in the jazz world, something that's indicative of playing playing in the jazz tradition is that you're dealing with time. You're dealing with, you know, whatever it's swing. You're dealing with other musicians. You're dealing with knowing the material. You're dealing with knowing the form, the melody, being on top of the changes. You're dealing with a lot. And when you're practicing, you're thinking about all of those things all of the time. And the really difficult thing can be when you actually go to play live, you start to realize, well, hang on a minute. There's no way I can think about, you know, the chords that are going by, substitutions that I've been practicing or trying to kind of input this lick and then also thinking about, oh, wait, there was an arrangement change in rehearsal and we're doing this. It's not possible because then there comes a point where your, your mind is cluttered and then you just play whatever is under your fingers at the time. And so what I realized, I'd had, I had enough of those 
those experiences to realize, ah, the thing I need to practice is practice being completely clear of mind when I'm playing. Sometimes what I'll do is I'll simply sit and say I've been shedding a tune and it's a brand new tune as well. This is a really great way to test how well you know a song or a solo as well or whatever you're doing is to practice throughout the day or how much, however much time you have in your session. Think about it a lot. Think about it really intensely. Then go away for 15 minutes. Come back to it. Turn on your phone to record yourself or whatever or, or a camera, whatever it may be. Set up a microphone. Then record yourself not thinking about it anything to do with that and just try to try to let it out just try to you know whether it's play a great chorus on a on a tune that you've learned or try to play the solo that you've been trying to internalize and just see how well you know it because really that that experience of testing yourself by keeping a clear head it doesn't just show you how well your muscle memory has has sunk in or how much you've internalized something it tests your ability to be able to think with a clear mind without being cluttered by substitutions and ideas and this person and you're standing up and blah, 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 and tone. It will stop you kind of thinking that way, but you have to train that sort of thing. Nice. Yeah, that's, um, that's reminded me of an exercise that I do quite a lot, especially for gigs. Um, I usually do it if I've got time on the bus going to work. And if I'm trying to think about if I've memorized something or if I'm ready for it, what I'll do is I'll try and recite what I'm playing in my head on the bus journey from start to finish. If I can't do that, I don't know it well enough yet. And I'm talking about like if it's a piano piece or something like that, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I can think about every kind of, almost in like kind of the, the same thing as what you're saying, but like kind of opposite in a way at the same time. It's weird. But um, if I can think about all those things that are happening with like the fingerings and the chords and stuff like that and i can get from start to finish in my head i know i'm going to be able to perform it comfortably and it's something that i do with uh, students if they're trying to learn a specific rhythm as well as soon as we can't get rhythm we step away from the instrument and we tap it out you can't tap the rhythm how do we, how are you meant to play it through an instrument that you're trying to get to grips with so it's like it still it still really starts in, in here it's like can you play the rhythm um so just for if you know if you were taking like a rhythmic example um that was just something i wanted to add reese yeah no i think your points do actually meet in a scientific way maybe not a musical way because um i remember this from when i was studying in university i'm gonna read a wee bit of notes just to make sure i've got it right but when you're improvising there's a part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex and that is associated with things like being like your inner critic for example and so when you improvise, the activity in your prefrontal cortex is, is less. And so when you're improvising, if you're kind of in that flow state, let's say, your inner critic's not present and you're kind of just playing. And that's when you feel like you're just free. But more than that, there is actually another part of the prefrontal cortex, the medial prefrontal cortex, that is associated with language and creativity is heightened. And I think that's where both your points match and meet because... In improvisation, there is actually a reliance and a need for vocabulary, which is that content that is um, maybe pushed forward in the medial prefrontal cortex. I just wanted to point that out because I, I, I looked at this before. And I was like, yeah, I need, I need to get some of the science in there because I did study it a little bit in uni. But if you're listening and you're interested in checking out that kind of thing, you should look at, there are a couple different research papers on this, but there's one from John Hopkins 
that is called This Is Your Brain on Jazz, and they used an MRI to study spontaneity and creativity within jazz musicians improvising. There's another one, I think it might be a TED Talk, where they look at a jazz piano player and a freestyle rapper, and they look at the activity in their brain when they're improvising. And just uh, the conclusion is that they're both, well, they're improvising and all the changes happen, uh, even though one is like rapping and one is doing jazz, which are completely different, sort of different art forms, but you might argue that they're not because it's improvising, whatever. But um, yeah, I just wanted to add that in before uh, Jack took away. Yeah, you got me thinking, you actually both got me thinking about um, what I thought were two different ideas that have really turned into the one idea. Uh, I really love the ideas that you gave about the prefrontal cortex and that sort of thing as well. I really don't know much about that stuff as well. So best believe I'll be looking at those TED Talks. But it got me thinking about this idea of maybe, maybe you're not thinking about nothing when you're playing. Maybe sometimes it's about being able to focus on one idea. And Callum, you kind of said this with a rhythm as well, or being able to kind of practice a rhythm as well. Sometimes when you're performing, it's about trying to develop one thing and it's about trying to hear that idea to its conclusion. So whilst we sort of, when we internalize things, we sort of want to recite it almost without having to rely on any of our memory faculties. But sometimes there's a part to play in our headspace, if you like, for developing an idea. So it's taking it and I suppose hyper-focusing on it, really. Developing that idea and then improvising around it and then seeing, you know, what else can you do with it and what can you add on to it so that it works or what can you add on to other things. But there's also a place for interaction. And it got me thinking about when you were, when you were saying that, obviously about kind of prefrontal cortex and that sort of that sort of stuff that sort of information really good stuff was about being present when you're playing and i think it's such a hard thing because when you hear great improvising musicians something you notice is they're always present they're always obviously physically present but they're mentally present and aware of what's going on around them so they're able to self-reference and that's why i loved the idea that you gave um of freestyle rappers and improvising jazz musicians sort of having the same same brain states because when you hear real great off the dome freestyle rappers of which there are some real great ones lupe fiasco being one of them guy is incredible you can go and hear him on any of the radio shows that he performs and shows this ability which is that he can self-reference things that he says in 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 earlier phrases or in earlier verses and then he can start referencing things in the room that he can't have pre-written there's no way to pre-write it to go into the room and somebody accidentally knocks their coffee over and then he references that and then as his verse goes on he he is so present in the state of 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 clarity and being able to um see all the tools and all the materials in front of him that he can go back to that idea and go um this fell over just like you know your coffee say you know 15 minutes ago or something. It's really incredible. It, it's really amazing. But when you apply that to, say, what we do in the, in the musician sort of world of, of or instrumental, really, world, it's the, same, it's the same thing, really, when you're trying to, say, quote from what a piano player is doing. Maybe a piano player plays a melody and you go, oh, let me pinch that really quickly and see if I can develop it a little bit. That sort of thing is, is the same process, I would imagine, in your brain as well, which is about trying to find space trying to develop an idea and hyper-focus on it and change it, obviously, and, you know, and work with it. But it's also about maintaining being present and just being in the moment and being completely clear-headed to interact in the moment. So not just in this meditative space of floating above the stage and of all interaction and that sort of thing. It's about, no, feed off of the people in the room, the musicians on the stage, the feelings of the night as well, or the day, or wherever it is you're performing as well. Like, it's such, a, such an important thing. So I think it's really great because... It does lead me to believe, is there, 
if there's a right, you know, zone for us to perform live in, is there a wrong zone? And do you guys have any experience of sort of feeling in your headspace that you've not had the greatest experience of, of, of performing? Absolutely. I think that the whole right zone versus wrong zone thing for me is kind of incumbent on something that is honestly separate from music at all. It's like just a state of being. And I don't think it goes against what you said, because I know you were saying like the idea of meditating, but it's like not quite because you're you're just it's like a group meditation almost where you're present with everybody that's ha like playing like the piano, everybody else. And you're feeding off that energy. But I really think that unfortunately nowadays we are in a time where people are generally distracted all the time and people can't focus on something for more than a minute or two sometimes, which is really sad. And I find that for me, if I feel like I'm suffering from that, which I think at this time of the year, I generally suffer with a little bit more for whatever reason, I do just go to meditation and it's nothing to do with music, but it has, honestly, there's like a straight line in between how, if I practice meditation more, I am honest, I'm so much more present in my plan and it's something that is, completely separate from my music practice and I remember doing a bit of an experiment for it was about a year where every nearly every day for about a year I meditated for like 20 minutes or so and my mind state was night and day like the the clarity of thought that I had was just so much well clearer more uh visceral but I also think that my improvisation was so much more it just felt more connected and true because I was actually connected with myself and I think that it's hard to be an improviser if you're not connected to yourself, I think, because I think my improvisation is an expression of me and uh, also the situation I find myself in. But I can only be true in that situation if I'm fine with myself. And Frank, I think that um, if you've never tried meditation, just focusing on something simple like your breath for 20 minutes, give it a try. Let me know if that helps in like a couple months. I'm, I'm pretty sure it would. Has anybody else here ever tried any of those kind of techniques outside of music? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Trying to, trying to factor in uh, meditation, obviously into your life as well. It's something I've, I've found quite a challenge in developing a headspace for, but weirdly enough, it's something that I found quite helpful for practicing because I sort of find that whilst I try to force it into periods of, like you were saying, periods of my life or periods of time, perhaps it's even during my day that are hectic, to then try to force in a, a period of um, calmness and, and, and oneness, if you like. I find that really hard, but I know that I can sort of naturally spawn that feeling from, from practicing because sometimes I get absorbed in an idea and then in that idea, I sort of get absorbed in trying to play that idea right. You know, a lot of like what Callum was saying about practicing and then sort of finding that nothing really out, else outside of that really matters. And it's very much like instead of focusing on your breathing, you're focusing on an idea, you're fo focusing on a subject, uh, which, you know, it does, it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a circle conversation because we end up going back to the idea of the flow state as well um, and, and, and trying to kind of feel that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to interject there because I would like to say, for me, there's actually quite a big difference because the meditative, meditative practice is focusing on an outcome that is you progressing or developing a certain idea. Whereas I feel like what I'm talking about is it's literally do nothing for 20 minutes and that is the reward. Um, I think there's quite a big difference there for me because I know that I can get lost and get super deep into playing if I'm inspired and I want to 
pull the thread on whatever it is I'm studying. But if I can't just sit with myself, I feel like my overall being is a... Uh, there's more, I think there's more chance for me to like judge my improvisation, be like, nah, that wasn't the right one, blah, blah, blah. Um, and a lot of the practice that I've done to kind of get over that is completely away from music. But I'm not arguing against what you say. I think what you're saying is absolutely important. But um, for me, they are two different activities, actually. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I suppose if you do see it as a place of, I suppose, rest from everything as well, it, it does grow it does grow that that space that you have as well and again it, inadvertently perhaps you find that space when you go to play the instrument as well but yeah no it's, it's, it's absolutely something i've kind of i've stumbled upon but i have noticed that there are there can be similarities in the space that you occupy when you practice next to when you occupy say you know meditating away from the instrument as well but i, I completely understand your point there yeah absolutely calm i'll just i'm aware that you've uh you've just been sitting there meditating <laughs> Yeah, no, I think um, I, I I definitely was. I, it's brought me back to, um, I've not done meditation for a while. And I think what you've said is kind of, something's clicked for me that I think um, that ability to practice that thing of just trying to get into that headspace, you're more likely to get into that headspace, I think, if you're improvising. Um, it's something that I used to do the a while back, the binaural beats. Um, if you've ever heard of them, uh, where you have like, you know, you've got headphones on, you've got two tones in each ear, um, but there's a frequency difference in, in uh, both those tones. It might be like 430 hertz and 440 hertz. And then the difference uh, creates like a ghost tone and you, you focus on that. So it's a very kind of, um, feels like something that you that you just specifically focus on and it's just that, there's nothing else. Um, and I've definitely gotten to kind of, kind of some deep states that way but it's even the same for like if you go running it's like how many people can go running without music in their ears and just focus on the run um i think it's all these things actually tie in together to suggest maybe we need to be able to step away not do anything so that that likelihood of being present comes up more often in our music as well that's something that's definitely a takeaway for me since you've said that yeah, it's a much more holistic approach because I really think that if you can be comfortable in yourself, uh, even on that baseline of just being, um, don't mean to get too zen on a podcast, but like really, if you can just be comfortable sitting with yourself for 20 minutes, I think you'll be surprised at how, yeah, how, how much more fulfilling everything else becomes, like a run or doing the dishes, you know? Yeah, it goes back to like... Um... The general idea of when you're a musician, everything is an inspiration to you as well, but also everything you start to see as a practice towards, you know, your, your ability or your, your experience as a musician as well, whether that's like movies that you see or art forms that you digest, whatever it is, you know, you start to realize that everything is very much fodder, if you like, for your, for your musical development or your musical digestive system if you like so everything is there so meditation sort of being one of those things as well um headspace taking time away from it as well like i i make this clear all the time and i say it for myself as well which is taking a break from music as well is also it, it's part of your practice it, it is it doesn't feel like practice because we feel like we're stepping away from the instrument but it's a part of the practice same with visualizing as well visualizing what you're doing when you don't have the time to play is another practice of things but I suppose the thing that we've stumbled upon, the three of us today, really, is this idea that sometimes nothing is also a practice of 
what it is that you do and being able to be settled and okay with nothing as well. And there, you're right, Reese. there is a very holistic idea behind that as well. But there's also a very real element to the fact that what are you trying to attain in the right zone? And the right zone is really about comfortability. Comfortability in who you are, in the situation, in the playing, in what you're trying to get across, whether that's an idea or a concept or a feeling in your in your chorus or in your solo or in your in whatever whatever your expression really is in that moment. And um, yeah, there's 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 that there's so much kind of in there to to really discuss. And I'm sure that we could we could go on forever about it. But I suppose this is probably the time for us to wrap this up. But if you have uh, if you followed us to this point, then congratulations, you have made it to the end of episode seven. Um, your meadow is in the post um, or in the mail depending on where you are. But we just want to say, again, a big thank you to everybody who's been listening so far up to episode seven. It really means the world to us as well. And it's really great for us to have all these questions to digest and to talk about as well. It's uh, It's been really fun, the three of us breaking this down as well. And I can't remember if this is like one of the last ones before the new year. We might have one more. I have no idea. We'll, we'll see what the situation is uh, uh, when we wrap it all up. But again, yeah, just thank you for listening as well. And if you'd like to listen to the podcast on, I think you can hear it on Spotify, you can hear it on SoundCloud, you can hear it on uh, Apple Podca Podcasts as well. Um, yeah, we're not yet on the radio, but we'll make our way there, I'm sure. But you know, for now, that's uh, that's all that we have time for. If you'd like to submit a question, you can find us either on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, I suppose on all the social media streams, really TikTok and, and, and Twitter and all that. But yeah, for now, that's that's been sitting in episode seven. We, we thank you for your time. So, see you next week.